reading is from John 6, 25 to 35. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. Over the last few weeks we've been uh, looking at the great themes of Advent and we've covered hope, faith, joy and peace. And today we're finishing with the greatest theme of all, which is love. Now you might have uh, picked up that our reading uh, today is not one of the traditional Christmas readings. And there's a good reason for that. I think at Christmas we can kind of get lost in uh, presents and all all the fluffy feelings of Christmas. And, uh, and, and that's great. It's a special time of year. That's why it's special, isn't it? But uh, we can easily forget the meaning of Christmas. And the meaning of Christmas is still directly relevant to each one of us today. It asks us questions if we will take the time to listen. Through our reading today from the Gospel of John, Jesus gives us a very important reason why he entered a world. He is the bread of life. The only thing that can satisfy our deepest need. We're going to spend a little time allowing the scripture to ask us questions today. And we're going to start with sheep. And see that we have a lot in common with them. Quite a bit more than than perhaps we think. So earlier uh, this week I was mowing our lawn. uh, Which is very long and lush because I hadn't actually been able to get to it. Mainly because it's been so wet, hasn't it? And warm. And if you've been to our place, you know that our lawn kind of goes out and then it drops away down the hill where it meets a paddock, which is stocked with sheep. And because we've had eight lambs this year, we've ended up with 14 sheep, including Reggie, our ram, who, after a slow start, obviously uh, finished strongly. <laughs> now, uh, all these sheep uh, eat a fair bit of grass and they had grazed the paddock they were in quite heavily until there's quite, quite stalky stuff left. And I was mowing this lush lawn along the fence line. And I happened to look up and right there, uh, across the fence, was a ewe and I was, <laughs> I was staring straight at him. And I could almost uh, see her thinking, what on earth are you doing, you idiot? It's perfectly good food you're turning into compost. Why don't you let me at it? I could deal with it. And I must admit, I felt a bit guilty and I got quite defensive about it. 
In fact, I started mentally defending myself. Did maybe you guys don't do this? Maybe it's only me. I said in my mind, "Listen here, this is my grass. You're just a sheep. Just eat what you're given, and and put up with it. Be grateful." <laughs> and after I got a bit further on, I was really realised I was having an imaginary argument with a talking sheep in my head, <laughs> which I found a little concerning. Now, in my five years of sheep farming, because that's one of my roles, sheep farmer, I've come to appreciate a few things about sheep. I used to think they were pretty thick. You know, not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree. They're extremely frustrating animals, and if they suspect that something's amiss, they'll do anything but the thing you want them to do. But I think that's the thing that makes them very smart in my mind. You see, sheep have an incredible trustometer. If they don't trust you, they will try and get as far away from you as possible. But if they trust you, they'll follow you. It's quite amazing. The other thing about sheep that I've learned is that they're always eating. Always eating. And as long as they've got good pasture, they're happy. But as soon as they run out of good feed, they start doing all sorts of crazy things like breaking through fences and heading out onto the road, they're just looking for food. So it's interesting that sheep and shepherds are very prominent in the Bible. Starting with Abraham, who was a shepherd. Through the story of Christmas, where they play a starring role, don't they? And ending with Jesus, who called himself not only the good shepherd, but the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And I think God has a soft spot for sheep. After all, they're the only, you think about this, they're the only animals that were privy to the announcement of the Messiah. All the angels that appeared... There's only sheep there as far as we know, right? I mean, there might have been the odd rabbit or so, but they were mainly sheep. And it's also interesting that the scriptures liken us to sheep many times. For example, Isaiah 53, 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Right through to John 10, 27, where Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, I used to think it was a bit of an insult for the Bible to liken us to sheep. But now I see the wisdom behind the analogy. We too have a very sensitive trustometer. And we're very wary of trusting anyone, let alone a God we can't see. Which is why the message of Christmas, I think, is so compelling. You see, God became one of us at Christmas. That's the main message. And the only thing he had to gain was us. Jesus gave up power, glory, authority, the worship of countless angelic beings and the limitless depth of the love of the Trinity to become a little baby, born to an insignificant woman in an insignificant part of the world. What does that tell us about God? It tells us a great many things, but for the purpose of this talk, it tells us that we, each one of us in this room, are very precious to him. And every single human being that's ever existed too. There's a worth that he places on each one of us that's independent of our talent and our skills and anything else that we usually think uh, gives us worth, what we, have to, what we have to give. And it also tells us that he's ridiculously humble and not at all insecure. 
It also tells us that he will not override the gift that he's given each one of us, which is the ability to choose him. And that's very important in any functioning relationship, isn't it? You wouldn't want to be press-ganged into some kind of marriage or anything like that. As Tim Keller puts it, you think about this, the shepherds received the message from the angels, but the rest of us received the message from the shepherds. Why? Why don't we get angels too? Have you ever wanted angels? I've wanted angels every now and again. I'd, every now and again, I'd be, Lord, be very helpful if an angel appeared right there in front of me. Many people say, if I could see God, I'd believe. And that statement, I think, would apply to an angel too, right? If a, a big angel appeared in front of you, you'd be like, wow, okay. He is there. If an angel appeared to you, would it make you believe? I'd say so. And that's the problem. We'd lose our ability to choose, wouldn't we? Jesus doesn't want to leave us with no choice but to follow him. He wants us to choose to follow him and be so moved by his sacrificial love that we willingly turn to him and follow after him. And that's why the first shepherds got the angels and we got the shepherds. But the sheep analogy goes further. Just as sheep are insatiably hungry, so we too are insatiably hungry. Not so much physically at this time of the year, where you probably eat too much, but spiritually. I googled the deepest need of humanity. And according to this guy, William James, the founder of American Psychology, the deepest need of humanity is the craving to be appreciated. Does that ring a bell? The craving to be appreciated. What does the word appreciate mean? According to the, uh, the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it means to grasp the nature, worth, quality, or significance of. And the, it's, it's quite a crazy thing about desiring appreciation. The crazy thing about this craving to be appreciated is that we rely on others to give it to us. Think about it. Without other people, we'd have... No appreciation to receive. There'd be no one to give it. So we're in quite a vulnerable position, aren't we? We're dependent on others for meeting our deepest needs or need. And I think perhaps that's why social media is so important, isn't it? It becomes a mechanism by which we can seek and receive appreciation. And sometimes in an unhealthy way. There's always the element of, um, haha, this is me. And I'm on this beach, and I'm sipping a glass of wine, and you're not. Great work. You know, there's this a little bit of an unhealthy, and people in there kind of envy and oh, you lucky thing. We receive appreciation, but we labour to upskill and make ourselves into good people that others admire and speak well of, and you know, good productive members of society. We work hard to become good at something, mostly because we enjoy it. And it's a good thing to do. But to be honest, it can also be to impress others. So they, they will give us the appreciation that we need. Take the whole out of your career. 
What was it? What was the highlight of your career? Affair. Wasn't it some event that you, you were a part of that was successful and that you received a lot of appreciation from? A lot of significance, a lot of worth. Take your spouse, for example. Someone who loves you. We, we all desire to find someone to love and that's good and that's great. Finding that special someone is great. But it's also because our spouse will appreciate us more than anyone else. We accumulate wealth and possessions, hopefully, mostly, because having stuff makes life more enjoyable. It's great going out fishing and my father all's playing. It's great. But also perhaps other people will appreciate how successful we are when they look at all our stuff. I experienced this a year or two ago. Someone drove up in a Tesla and suddenly my car didn't look so good anymore. I thought, man, are you still struggling with that? I was quite disappointed. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is we're hungry for appreciation and the worth and the significance it brings. It is our spiritual food. And we orientate our lives around trying to satisfy that hunger. But to receive appreciation, someone has to give it. When we give appreciation to someone, we are showing them love. Right? And in a healthy relationship, we say there's give and take. In other words, there's appreciation and worth through love. We give it, and the other person gives it back. We receive that appreciation and worth uh, through love back from the other person. And, you know, I'm not restricting this to um, a marriage relationship or anything like that. You think of that uh, Louis Armstrong song, What a Wonderful World, where it says, I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. When you stop and go out of your way to greet someone, you're giving appreciation to to them. You're expressing without words, I'm happy to stop and greet you because you're worth it. But there's this thing with with human relationships. The issue with human love is that unless the appreciation and love is reciprocated, unless it's returned to us, it's virtually impossible to keep the relationship going, isn't it? In other words, our love is not entirely pure and selfless. We need love and worth and appreciation back. Unless we're receiving at least a little bit, it's, well, the relationship will eventually drain us and it will end. I came across a quote from the movie Scrooge from the 1980s and, and the, the main guy, Frank Cross, says, for a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people we always hoped we would be. What kind of people is that? People who give with no thought of receiving couple of hours and then we're done. That's about all we can handle. It's true, isn't it? We simply don't have the emotional ability to to give limitless appreciation and worth while getting nothing back. Because we just get drained and then we're done. That's it. We need the other person to return some appreciation and worth too. Now what's this got to do with love and Christmas? 
about this. What would it take for someone to provide limitless appreciation and worth? What would it take? They would have to love and desire perfectly while needing nothing in return. Right? They'd have to love perfectly and not need anything from us in return. Who is capable of such love? Not me. Pretty sure not you either. There's only one person who's capable of such love without needing anything in return, and that's Jesus who came down at the very first Christmas. He doesn't need us at all, but look what he gave up for us. In our reading today, Jesus told us, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. What is he saying? He's saying this, I know you are all desperately seeking appreciation and worth because I created you with that need. And I know you all work hard to find ways of meeting that need. You look for it in your careers and your relationships and acquiring wealth and all these other things. But all these sources of appreciation will end one day. Your career is going to end one day. Your relationship will end one day. All your stuff will eventually perish, will be given to other people one day. It's going to come to an end. And then what? Think about it. Many times I've heard of people retiring and then six months later they're dead. Why? Their career was their primary source of appreciation and worth. And when it ended, they had nothing to live for. And they shriveled up and died. They had laboured for food that spoiled. And I also think Jesus is saying something deeper here. Have you ever eaten a big meal? And you feel really full, but not satisfied. And so you go looking for, I need something else. Even though you feel massively full, you go looking for something else. It's quite a weird feeling. The things that we look to in life for appreciation can be like that too. We look down our list of things in life that we desired, that we received, and we should feel content and satisfied as we pick them off. But something significant is missing. The French have a saying, je ne sais quoi, which literally means, I don't know what. I need something else, but I don't know what. We still feel our hunger for significance and worth sometimes. The incredible idea that we encounter at Christmas is now that we know what that je ne sais quoi is. It's Jesus. In our reading today, Jesus said not only that he will give us spiritual food, but he is the spiritual food. And that if we come to him, our spiritual hunger for appreciation will be satisfied. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Note too that he said, I am the bread of life. Not I am a bread of life. In other words, there's no other bread that will satisfy. Why? Because he's the only one who loves us more than we can imagine, but doesn't need us. He's not looking for anything in return other than our hearts, willingly. So it's quite a weird analogy though, isn't it? I'm the bread of life. How can we eat Jesus, so to speak? He said it first. First of all, you have to come to him. Come to me. That's an invitation. Jesus won't force us to come to him, but he deeply wants us to. That's one of the things I really love about Jesus. There's no coercion. 
And he has the power to do that if he wanted. But what about the eating? Let's think about the food we eat as an analogy. We, we take a bite, we chew it, it gets broken down, swallowed and digested. digested. And through that process of digestion, the energy in the food is, is liberated and released to our bodies and it surges up and fuels us up. In the same way, we, when we receive Jesus into our lives, his energy surges through us. And we feel spiritually energised and joyful and peaceful. And loved and appreciated in a way like no other because he doesn't need anything from us in return. He just needs for us to receive what he wants to give us. This is grace. This is undeserved favour. Through grace, the life that Jesus gives is not merely existence. It's not just day after day existence. But it's life that brings contentment. The feeling of fullness when our spiritual hunger is satisfied. But notice when we eat physical bread, it's torn apart and broken down before it can become life for us. Jesus is saying the same thing about himself as spiritual bread. He was torn and broken down for us on the cross. The forgiveness of our sins, every wrong desire, every thought, word and deed that we know was, was wrong. The forgiveness that cost him everything, cost us nothing. Receiving this forgiveness enables us to know God and receive the appreciation and worth that satisfies our deepest need. So let's bring this home. Christmas is a time of reflection. It's a good it's good to reflect on the past year and also the new year that is upon us. I want to ask you a question. What spiritual food have you been labouring for this year? What spiritual food have you been labouring for this year? Have you been working, labouring for food that will spoil? Or have you been working for Jesus, the bread of life, the food that will never spoil? I pray this Christmas you will accept Jesus' invitation to come to him, whether for the first time or again, and eat of him, his love, this Christmas, and be fully satisfied. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are the bread of life. Thank you that you are the answer to our soul's deepest need. In you, we can be fully satisfied and content. And Lord, we ask you to show us if there's any part of us that's labouring for food that will spoil. Help us to realise that, understand what it is, and give it up this Christmas. Lord, we don't want to work for food that will spoil. We want to work for food that will endure to eternal life. Help each one of us to receive your grace afresh this Christmas. In Jesus' name.